Well, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, everyone in here. Those of you over in our chapel and other overflows, those of you online, I'm just so thrilled that you chose to celebrate Christmas with us. I'm really, really glad that you're here. I don't know what kind of Christmas traditions you have. Uh, I've got all sorts. I remember when I was in high school, I had this little Christmas tree that I had bought at a garage sale. And every year at Christmas, I would put it up in my own bedroom, and it was just this great Christmas tradition. Maybe you've got some traditions like that. Maybe you have some traditions with your family. Here's my family. Uh, we've got all sorts of Christmas traditions. I think the favorite Christmas tradition for my kids is that on Christmas morning, they have to wait at the top of the stairs before they're allowed to come down and see their stockings and presents and everything. It's just a, a family tradition we have. And they will sit there on that top stair and uh, they'll just have a blast waiting. Anticipation is so much of gratification. So uh, we started a new tradition this year, and we're enjoying it so much that I wanted to welcome you guys in on it. The other night we were hanging out, and some of you might have TVs like this where you can watch YouTube and other things on your TV. My wife was just kind of flipping around on YouTube, and she found this compilation of Christmas TV commercials from the 1970s and the 1980s. Well, I was born in the early 1980s, and so as I watched these, it was just incredibly nostalgic for me. And then our kids were incredibly entertained because there were all these products and companies that uh, they never even knew existed. So I just want to bring you guys in on this new family tradition of ours. I hope you enjoy it as much. Here's the first retro TV Christmas commercial. Enjoy. Got a Picture tells a story. Capture the color of Christmas this year on fresh Kodak film. I got it! I got it! Kodak wishes you some merry, merry pictures. Okay, so quick survey. Raise your hand if you remember ever loading film into a camera. I do. Okay, now hands down. Let's survey the other part of the room. Raise your hand if you've never loaded film into a camera in your life. Yeah, and you're wondering, like my kids were wondering, what is film? <laughs> and I thought, you know, I, I'm pretty sure nobody this year is like hoping that they'll have some rolls of 35 millimeter Kodak film in their stocking on Christmas morning. I've got another good one for you guys. Go ahead and check this one out. to thank you for taking us into your homes. We wish you all a happy holiday. So my 12-year-old son watched that Atari commercial, and he said, why would anyone play that? Nintendo's way better. <laughs> and I had to explain to him, Nintendo did not exist. So this was like the grandfather of Nintendo. Uh, I remember going to thrift stores, Goodwills, and Salvation Armies through my high school years, and I would see all these things. I remember seeing Ataris. I remember seeing Kodak cameras, all these electronics that were people's Christmas gifts from 10 years earlier, 
in the goodwill and in the Salvation Army. Uh, speaking of those kind of gifts, you guys are really going to enjoy. Should we do just one more? Just one more. Okay. Uh, one more. Go ahead and check it out. There's more for your Christmas at Sears. Save $20 on this Craftsman Timing Light. Now just $29.99. This special purchase one and a half ton floor jack is only $29.99. This exercise bike with speedometer, just $99.99. And this cassette car stereo with coaxial speakers is $99.99. So wrap up a beautiful Christmas. There's more for your life at Sears. So, yeah, isn't that great? <laughs> Takes us back. I, I don't know if you noticed that, but that single cassette player with a total of two speakers, it was 50% off for $100. So if you're feeling bad about inflation and rising prices, just remind yourself that in the 1980s, it cost $200 for one cassette player with two speakers. And thousands of people got that, and they were like, yes! This is what I wanted for Christmas. I was laughing when I saw that exercise bike because my grandparents had the same one. And I remember when I would go over to their house and I would be restless, my parents would be like, go get on the exercise bike. And I would just go to town on that thing. I'm pretty sure it's the only time that it ever got used. Uh, but those things were made out of like industrial grade steel. They were unbreakable. And uh, like the, the, I guess they were kind of the predecessor of Peloton. Just a little bit lower tech. Well, here's one thing I know that you and I have in common this Christmas season. No matter your background, no matter what you believe, uh, you want to make your life better. And that's a good thing. That's something we all have in common. And whether we're hoping a new Kodak camera will make it better or an iPhone or maybe we're hoping for something more significant like a baby or a spouse or a house, we all want to make our life better. Here's the problem that I've noticed. Every single one of us, we spend not just Christmas Day, but 365 days a year making choices that we think will make our life better. We all do. And that's a good thing. It's a normal thing. And yet, for all of our efforts to make our lives better, we're all still kind of lacking some things. We still deal with anxiety. We still deal with sickness. We still have strained relationships. We still have issues at work. And here's really what I want to do today. I just want to have a conversation around this question, how do you make your life better? How can you make your life better? And of course, there are as many answers as there are products for sale, but I want to encourage you to think a little bit bigger. Uh, the, the thing that you're going to get for Christmas this year that will be at a Goodwill or a Salvation Army in 10 or 15 or 20 years or in the basement, or the attic, or the garage. Nothing wrong with that. I just want to encourage you to think bigger. Like, what if you could make your life better in a more lasting way? What if you could make your life better internally? Like, more contentment, uh, more purpose, more peace, more fulfillment. If there were a way to make your life better... No matter what you're going through, even when you're dealing with sickness, even when you're dealing with the loss of a loved one, if you could, uh, life could be better even as you went through those things, would you want to know how? Well, believe it or not, this is the kind of thing that Jesus talked about. So Jesus, you should know, he's not a myth or a fairy tale or a legend. 
Uh, he's one of the most documented people of human history. So this baby that was born named Jesus, uh, we know exactly the region where he was born. And we know that he existed not only because of hundreds of followers of his who wrote down his life, and part of that is called the Bible, but we also know from people who didn't believe that Jesus was God, but they saw that he was a man and they documented his life. For example, there's a, a Jewish historian from the first century named Josephus who writes all about Jesus. There's a Greek and Roman historians like Suetonius and Tacitus. So we know this guy lived. We also have a reliable record of what he said called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when it comes to the Gospels, if you study ancient manuscripts, what you'll find is we have more copies of what Jesus said, actually, than we do of what Shakespeare wrote just a few hundred years ago. Uh, there's a, a tremendous number of these copies that agree. So we know this guy lived. We know he profoundly impacted humanity, that our calendar year 2021, if you look into it and you dig, why is there a zero, that's when Jesus was born is zero. Talk about an impact on the world. Uh, not only that, most of you guys get Sundays off of work because of Jesus. Did you know that? I don't get Sundays off of work, but most of you guys do uh, because of Jesus. Sunday was not a day off of work for everyone before Jesus came into the world. Our calendar's based on him. So we know he lived. We know he made this big impact. And we can actually read for ourselves what he said. And what you'll find if you start to read Jesus' words for yourself is that he talks like he comes from another planet. And that's because he claims that he's God. He claims that he's like the creator and he stepped down into our world to help us. And as you read his claims and you're like, this guy keeps saying he's God, you, you kind of reach this decision. Like either this guy is a lunatic nutcase or he's actually God. There's not a lot of room in the middle for him to just be like a really good guy. Because most really good guys don't say, I'm God, and I made you all, and you should worship me. Okay, that's, that's generally a problem if normal people say that. But here's what's interesting. This question, how do you make your life better? It's a universal question, and it's the kind of stuff that Jesus talked about. In fact, in John chapter 10, he said, this is the whole reason I came to earth. The whole reason I was born in a manger and left heaven and took a human body on me as God to experience what you all experience. I came to earth so that they, which is humans, I warned you that he talks like he's from another planet because he's from another world. I've come to earth that they, that you might have life. Not only life, but life to the full, a better life, a maximized life life. You could put it this way. Jesus came to earth to make your life better. Very simple. And it's very true. It's a summary of that verse we just read. Jesus came to earth to make your life better. Now his definition of better is in some ways bigger than ours. And one example of that would be our lifespan. Human life expectancy in the U.S. right now is about 78 years. Most of us don't think about that until we get into our 70s. <laughs> we just think we're going to live forever, even though no one has. And so we think of better like, I'm going to get the cassette player with the two speakers. And there's nothing wrong with the cassette player and the two speakers. But when Jesus says, I'm going to make your life better, 
He's talking about you can face your last breath on earth knowing with full confidence that you're going to wake up in the presence of God and it's not going to be boring. It's not some like white void. It's like flavors and colors and pleasure. Uh, Every good thing you've experienced on earth was created by the God who's creating heaven to be even better. And so his version of better is a much longer duration or length than we would think. But it is also here and now. There's peace that you can have. There's joy that you can have. If you follow what Jesus says, it will improve your relationships. It will improve your performance at work. It will improve your finances. It does affect our lives now. I wonder in your life if there was one area that Jesus could make better right now, uh, what area would you pick? Would you want to see God work in your marriage? Maybe you've been dealing with a lot of anxiety and you'd like to see God give you the peace that he talks about. Maybe you are going through cancer treatment or some other sickness and you would love the promise of knowing that when you leave this earth, you know exactly where you're going. Those words of Jesus can be translated this way. My purpose is to give you a rich, that means fulfilling and satisfying life. I wonder if you knew that about God, that the God who made you, he's not sneering down at you with his arms crossed. He wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to experience joy and warmth. Uh, The idea of being around a, a dinner table for like a Christmas dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner and all your favorite people are there and you're laughing and you're sharing food Those are the kind of things that Jesus did in his ministry. In fact, the very last night before he was crucified on the cross, that's what he did. He got his followers together and they shared a meal like that. The heart of God is about connection and joy and fulfillment and security. So one time, as Jesus talked about all this, a man came up to him and he said, Jesus, I I want that. I want this better life that you're talking about. And Jesus answers him in the Gospel of John chapter 3. And you can read the whole answer. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one today so you can read the whole answer. But I'm going to take you to the very heart of the answer that Jesus gives to this guy. How do I get the better life that you offer as God? And Jesus answers and he says this, you must be born again. Now, if you're hearing that for the first time and you're thinking, what in the world does that mean? then you're tracking with the guy who asked Jesus. He thought the same thing. What in the world do you mean, Jesus? How could I possibly be born again? Jesus is going to explain to him that when we're physically born, uh, that's our body being born, and more or less your spiritual part of you isn't really alive until you believe in Jesus. Now, he's going to explain that a little more, but his point is this. You must be born again to receive God's better life whether that's eternal life or the benefits now of freedom from addiction, the ability to say no to bad things, better relationships, joy and peace now, all of that is available freely through Jesus. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to do good deeds. But you do have to be born again. So what does that mean and how do you do it? Well, Jesus in John chapter 3 explains that. Here's what he says in verse 14. The Son of Man, that's his title for himself. I warned you, he talks kind of different. The son of man must be lifted up, 
There he's talking about the cross. You've seen crosses on churches. You see people wearing crosses. The cross was actually a torture device. It was an execution device. It'd be like the equivalent of an electric chair today. And Jesus said, I as almighty God, even though I've never sinned, I will come down and I'm going to feel what it's like to be human. I'll walk in your shoes. I'll know what it's like to be rejected. I'll know what it's like to be hungry. I'll feel pain. I'll feel everything you feel. And then even though I'm innocent as God, I will go on the cross and I will take the punishment or the consequences for everything you've ever done wrong. It's profound and we'll explain it more as we go through this. But Jesus says, that's why I came to earth was to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And as a result of that, everyone who believes on me will have eternal life. So you talk about a better life. Jesus is saying, you could be alive 100 years from now. You could be alive 1,000 years from now, 2,000 years from now, in a place where there's no death, no cancer, no sickness, no disease. And it's as Jesus explains, here's how you be born again, that he gives us perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that is Jesus, came to earth. Why? So that whoever believes in him, if you'll choose to believe Jesus, you're God, and and I believe in you, I need your forgiveness for my sins, then you will not perish. You know what perishable food is? It goes bad. Our bodies will all perish, but your soul, your spirit doesn't have to. It can have eternal or everlasting life, Jesus says. And I love it that in Jesus' words, he says, God so loved. And having an infinite mind, Jesus, he's thinking of you when he says that. God so loved you. He didn't just love you, he so loved you. That when he saw you struggling, when he saw you dealing with your parents' divorce, when he saw you going through sickness, when he saw you hurting, when he saw you trying to make your life better, but it's getting worse, he said, I'm going to go down there into their broken world, and I'm going to make a way for everyone who wants my help to experience my help. So here's my question for you this Christmas. Will you choose to believe in Jesus and be born again? Have you ever chosen that for yourself? Because you can know definitively today whether you're born again or not. It's as simple as this. Have you had a moment in your life where you've chosen for yourself and you've called out to God and you've said, Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I admit that I need your help. I need you to forgive my sins or I need you to give me peace where I have anxiety or I need eternal life. I, I need you. I believe in you. Be my savior. The moment you do that, you are born again. If you've never done that, I wonder, would you choose to do that today? I'm going to give you three stories of people just like you who've chosen to believe in Jesus and he has made their life better. And I picked these three stories for a reason because one of them, he had everything you could ever want, but when he believed in Jesus, he found something that nothing else could buy. The other story is of a family that this last year, they lost everything, and I mean everything, but when they believed in Jesus, It made their life better. And then the final story that we'll see is a story of someone who lives right here in Hendricks County who has found Jesus here. And even though they weren't in crisis, great job, great marriage, great house, great life, 
they have found that Jesus can make their life better. So let's start with this first one. When I think of someone who's done everything possible to make their life better, I think of this guy. His name is Steve McQueen. Now, Steve McQueen's from before my times. He was like the A-list celebrity in the 1960s and 70s. And he had everything, fame, wealth. The reason I know about Steve McQueen is because I'm a car guy. And Steve McQueen was like the ultimate car guy. This Jaguar convertible that he's leaning on here, one of 25 made, about 11 of them survive. Uh, the last one of these to be auctioned off a couple years ago sold for $21 million. That's just one of the many cars that Steve McQueen had in his collection. Uh, if you're here and you've seen the movie Cars from Pixar with the little race car, Lightning McQueen is named after Steve McQueen. So that's how significant this guy was. He had fame. Uh, he had wealth. He was healthy. He was handsome. He had his car collection. Uh, let's look. There's more. Uh, check out this Ferrari of Steve McQueen's that recently sold at auction for $10 million. He had dozens of these things. Uh, some of Steve McQueen's watches have sold for $2 million. Not only that, he had a 500-acre ranch in Idaho, a huge ranch in Northern California, a beach house on Malibu, uh, a townhouse in New York City, everything a person could want, fame, wealth, pleasure, possessions, Steve McQueen had, and yet there was still something missing, as you'll find out too if you actually acquire all that stuff. Well, Steve McQueen, he was collecting airplanes at the time. He had a whole collection of airplanes. And he bought this vintage airplane that uh, you really uh, had to be a specialist to know how to fly. So having almost unlimited resources, he hired a pilot for a year to just work for him to teach him how to fly this new plane that he got. Well, this pilot, having far less wealth, no fame, had a joy and a peace confidence, a stability, an ability to be resilient through the difficulties of life. And as Steve McQueen saw this, he just, he kept asking this guy, like, what is so different about you? One day, Steve McQueen got so direct, he's like, what in the world do you have that I don't have? And the guy looks Steve McQueen in the eyes and he said, Steve, I'm a born-again Christian. It's because I have God in my life that I have all the things that you're talking about, the peace and the joy and the confidence. And as a result, Steve McQueen and his wife, they started to go to church with this pilot and his wife. And they, after about three months, called out to Jesus, believed in him for themselves, and they were born again. Now, as the story goes, true story, about six months later, Steve McQueen got cancer, a very deadly form of cancer. So you might think, well, I thought if you believe in Jesus, it makes your life better. Well, Steve McQueen was going to get cancer and die either way. Difference is, he had been reading the Bible, going to church, learning what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And when he got cancer, he said, I'm not afraid to die. I like my life here, but I know exactly where I'm going. There was a really well-known preacher at the time named Billy Graham. And Steve McQueen said, like, my dying wish is to meet Billy Graham. So Billy Graham flew in. And as he was praying with him, Steve McQueen asked for his Bible, and Billy Graham gave him his own Bible. And Steve McQueen made it about another three months after that. And his biographers recount from all the eyewitnesses around him that he would just lay there holding that Bible. But in his last conversation with Billy Graham, what he said was, if I don't wake up from my next surgery, 
I'm totally at peace that I know I'll wake up in heaven and I'm ready to go. Steve McQueen's widow said this, being born again in Christ was important to Stephen. It helped him find inner peace that had eluded him for so long. Now, here's the thing. When I read a story like that, I think of what that guy had, and I think of the things on my wish list (laughs) that might make my life better. They're pretty small compared to what he had. And it's kind of like, okay, if believing in Jesus could make this guy's life better, then it could definitely make our lives better. Jesus gives a peace, a well-being, and a security that literally nothing else, nothing in the physical world can give. Because you're more than a physical being. You're a spiritual being as well. And the wealth and the resources, those things aren't bad, but they can't feed your spirit. Only Jesus can when you're born again. If you're needing peace or well-being that nothing else has been able to give, Jesus is for you. Here was Steve McQueen's favorite Bible verse, Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. What's condemnation? It's shame. It's guilt. When you do something bad and you know that it was wrong and you feel icky, you feel dirty inside, that's what condemnation is. And here's this beautiful promise. There is no shame, guilt, ickiness, condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the point is when Jesus died on the cross, he absorbed all your shame, all your guilt. And Steve McQueen, that was his favorite promise from the Bible, that he could stand before God guilt-free because of what Jesus had done on the cross and because he had received it by choosing to be born again. Well, we've talked about someone who had everything you could ever want. Now let's talk about a family that lost everything just this year. And I think this story is important because I know right now so many of us are hurting this Christmas season. I lost my uncle this last year to COVID. I know many of you have lost loved ones either to COVID or cancer or other things. I know also that many of you, you have someone in your family, if not yourself, that maybe you made it through COVID, but now you've got these symptoms that won't go away. If you're hurting, you need to know that Jesus, he also offers you something that you can't find anywhere else. And as living proof of that, I would introduce you to Saeed and Nori. Saeed and Nori were born in Afghanistan. That cute daughter of theirs looking at the camera is Samira. Born in Afghanistan, worked really hard. Saeed became an engineer. Nori became a science teacher. Uh, In the last 20 years when the U.S. was with Afghanistan and the Afghan army was being funded by the U.S., uh, Saeed got a side job working for the Afghan army. So he had two streams of income. And they built up an incredible middle-upper-class life in Afghanistan. Had a great house, great careers. All of that changed this year when the Taliban took over Afghanistan. And because Saeed was someone who wasn't going to join the Taliban, as the fighting got closer and closer to their village, he knew it's just, it is just a matter of time. They could hear the gunshots, they could hear the bombs in the distance, and they knew when the Taliban comes here, I'm dead, and I have no idea what they're going to do with my wife or my kids. Here's a few quotes from Saeed. We feared because there was fighting around us all the time. We stayed as long as we could because we love our home and we did not want to leave. But when the Taliban began fighting closer to our home, we knew we could not stay much longer. 
So in the middle of the night one night, I mean, this happened this year. Imagine doing this. Many of you are the same. You've got good jobs, a nice nice home. The fighting is so close to their house that in the middle of the night, having emptied their bank accounts, they leave their house. They flee to someone that they've heard if they pay enough money, he'll help get them across the border into Iran. And then through Iran, they keep paying people to transport them, and they finally get to the country of Greece. By the time they get there, they've endured physical abuse. They've spent everything they have. They have literally nothing left in the world except for each other. Now, the reason we know Saeed and Nori is that we have a a missionary here that we trained up and we sent out, and we support him every month financially. And here's what he does every day. He wakes up in the morning, and he goes and he finds these refugees because they're all gathered together, and he gives them clothes, he gives them food, gives them diapers if they have babies, and slowly as he builds a relationship, he tells them about Jesus. Well, over the last few months, Saeed and Nori, as they've learned about Jesus, they've trusted in him. And they've chosen also to be born again. Doesn't mean that the next day they're living in a mansion in Beverly Hills, but it means that they have a peace, they have a purpose, they have a comfort now that they never had before. And I want to share with you a few of these quotes that Robbie had shared with our team from his conversations with Saeed. One of them, they were driving past a big, ornate church cathedral. And Saeed looked and he said, Jesus is not in there, Jesus is in here. He now knows because he's born again that God is with him, that God dwells in him. The other day, uh, he's still learning English and his English is broken, but the things that had been his life, Afghanistan, being in the army, being an engineer, he said, army, no good, Afghan, no good, Jesus, good. Now, the point of the story is this, Jesus offers something that nothing else can give when you've lost everything. And Jesus offers something that nothing else can give when you have everything this world offers. Jesus gives a peace, a well-being, and a security that that simply nothing else can give. I want to tell you a story about a a family right here who lives in Hendricks County, great middle-upper-class jobs, great home, great marriage. And yet, when they found Jesus in this born-again way, their life has gotten better. Go ahead and take a look. So my name is Jennifer Lopez, like the singer, but I go by Jenny, and I am from Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you're born and raised pretty much in the Catholic Church, and growing up, I saw God more of a like an external figure, like he's the creator, and he's there, and I will talk to him whenever things were going well or going bad, but that was it and i almost honestly when i started going to church i felt guilty about it and because i felt guilty about it i actually just put a wall between me and and the church and then i will say after the teenage years i just stopped going really to church i moved to the united states for grad school and then really didn't connect back to church until i met my husband When we started having kids, it just became more and more challenging. We would have to bribe the kids to say, hey, I promise we'll give you ice cream if you please go and be quiet. And then I started finding excuses. I'm too busy, uh, the kids, right? And, uh, or finding excuses and not going. And I honestly, I, I stopped. I stopped going for many years. 
And then at that point I had a job that had me traveling quite a bit, almost every weekend. And he heard about Connection Point through one of the uh, therapists at our chiropractor practice. And she said, you have to go and try this church. And I think I took advantage one of those weekends that I was out of town because I would always say, I go to church, but it has to be Catholic church because that's the only church I knew. And one of those weekends that I was out of town, he took the kids and they loved it. And they loved it so much. I remember I was driving back from Michigan one time. My kids call me and they say, mom, mom, you have to go and try this church. It's so much fun. Like fun, church and kids. I've never heard those three words in the same sentence. And uh, I remember saying, well, I'm just gonna try because it's the first time that my kids are actually asking me to go to church. We were walking a little bit late. The, band was already playing and I don't know what happened. I kid you not, I got teary. Like I felt that type of connection that I never ever felt at a church before. Like whatever, everything that he was saying, Pastor John, I thought like, oh, is he talking to me? That's, how does he know that that's happening right now? My first day that I went to church, that was the day that Pastor John started unveiling this uh, vision of the greater things and he was asking for money and I remember my husband say, oh no, he's asking for money. This is gonna be the first day and the last day of us here at Connection Point. But I, when I heard about the mission, the vision, and how it's to raise the next generation of Christians, like that's exactly what I want for my kids. So that was our first commitment. We say every Sunday, we're gonna come to church and we are gonna be also uh, in giving our money and resources to, to church. That was the first commitment. I, I, I love the church from day one. I say, I think this is it. The kids love it, we love it, and it's the first time that I go and I get something out of it. I also realized that it was taking my husband and myself, like we were growing together. I never ever opened a Bible before going to this church. For me, the Bible was a book that I never opened it myself. And my husband, I say, okay, let's do something. Every night before going to bed, let's just at least, you know, read one page. I just started to connect a day more. Obviously from this, the, the, the sermon, you hear things that are applying to your life and then you also make the same connection with the Bible. And I love that. So now that's a, a way of us connecting also every night, the two of us reading the Bible before going to bed. So that I thought that was fantastic. I've never thought of me reading the Bible in that way before. Before even going to church, right? Like my my life was good. <laughs> I had a job. My my husband had a job. We had a family, loving family. After the first year, and we saw how how this church is getting um, us together as a family. My husband and I even better. We had a great relationship before. But what I didn't know is that there's the next level. <laughs> The way we speak with our kids is, again, we're speaking the same thing and it doesn't feel scripture. It doesn't feel like we're lecturing them. It's more we are connecting with Jesus in a way that, that we all can connect with, that the kids can understand and that we connect with. It connected me with a community that I didn't know existed before. And I, I look forward to going to church every week. I kid you not, and that was not me before. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy about that. So I, if that's my life now, I cannot even imagine what will be the next you know, level years from now. And I'm looking forward to that because I know there is one. I love Jenny's story. It shows how when you, when you really believe in Jesus and you start to do what he says, it does make your life better. 
doesn't mean you won't go through difficulties. But when you go through those difficulties, you, you have a totally different nature now that's alive inside of you. You know, when babies are born and we have a newborn, we put them in those giant car seats and we handle them so delicately. Could you imagine being like 30 years old and still having to get in one of those huge car seats to go anywhere? The difference is that a 30-year-old has grown and they've learned how to feed themselves. And you need to know that you can be born again today. You don't have to pay money to be born again. You don't have to do good works. You simply have to acknowledge, Jesus, you're God. You died on the cross for me. I need your help. Will you forgive my sins? Will you adopt me into the family of God? You're born again when you do that. But just like a, a newborn baby, God then wants you to grow. And what you just saw in Jenny's story is what happens when you grow spiritually. How do you do that? You do that by being here or in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church every weekend where the Bible gets translated from some foreign, ancient thing to your modern life. And then you just obey what Jesus says to do one step at a time. And it starts to change the way you see yourself. It starts to change your performance at work. It starts to change your marriage. It starts to change the way you handle your money. And one area of obedience at a time, your life starts to get better. We have uh, hundreds of families here who are out of debt now who never thought they could get out of debt because they decided to do it God's way. We have hundreds of marriages here that have been restored because they said, we're going to do what Jesus says. How does Jesus have the power to do this? Well, the answer is it's because he's God. And that's why in Matthew 1, it says this of the Christmas story, they will call him Emmanuel, another title for Jesus, which means God is with us. See, when you believe in Jesus in that willing, humble way, what you're really doing is heaven is like a dimension and earth is like a dimension and Jesus is the bridge between the two. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father. No one gets to heaven or has God at work in their life except through me, Jesus said. So it's a, a narrow way, but it's open to everyone. It's open to you. I had some friends have a newborn baby at the hospital and the baby had some health conditions. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but it had some sickness. And when I arrived to visit that baby, the nurses there said, you need to wash your hands up to your elbows for two minutes. And I kid you not, a nurse stood there and clocked me. And I thought, how rude. Don't they know I love these people? Why won't they just let me in? The reason why is that if there were germs on my hands, it, it could infect and corrupt that baby. Now, heaven, you need to know, it's not a boring place. It's exciting. It's fulfilling. It's a feast. It's love. It's fulfillment. Heaven is a place, really, it's the unfiltered, unlimited presence of a being, the creator. And he is the source of life. He's the source of light. He's the source of joy. And he's unpolluted. He's uncorrupted. And so if you and me have sin and brokenness and and evil in us, how can we get into his house unless we've been scrubbed, unless we've been cleaned? And that really is what happened at the cross. When Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine, he offered a cleansing 
that we could never buy for ourselves. That's why he described himself this way in John 3, the chapter we were looking at. God's light came into the world. That's what happened at Christmas. A world broken by war and cancer and divorce and sickness and insecurity and suicide and disease and hatred and racism. A world stuck in that inky, oily darkness. The light of the universe shined himself in and said, for all who will believe, I will give you light and life on earth, and then I'll give you an eternal life with me in heaven. Here's your decision this Christmas. Jesus can make your life better. I guarantee that. I have seen it thousands of times. He can make your life better. But you must choose if you will decide for yourself to be born again. Why don't you close your eyes and I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. Father, in this moment, I pray for the person who has their doubts, their suspicions, their fears, but they sense in their heart something stirring. It's a birth, a new birth. You're calling them to be born again. You're calling them to call out to you, to just surrender to you, to believe in you, and let you start a good work in their life. Lord, I pray for every person in this room and in our overflow and online who in this moment you're stirring in their heart. Lord, would they from the heart just surrender to you and say, Jesus, I believe you're God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I need your light in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your peace. I need eternal life. Jesus, will you forgive my sins? Will you adopt me into the family of God? Pray that from your heart now as we worship and listen together to these beautiful songs about the light of the world.